man, I love the story of David, but I hate that part of the story. (laughs) Man, when we talk about being in union with God, so much of David's life was spent in union with God and it was beautiful and productive and helpful. But man, when he got out of that, it was chaos. (laughs) And so again, that's why we're doing this series called Hold Fast. You guys, hold fast because there is hope of living a life in union with God. And, and, and it's worth it because all that God is, is what's right and good and beautiful and makes life worth living. And this, again, we're in Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, but in the whole book of Hebrews, they're just saying, hold on to this, you guys, because you can have union with God. That's the gospel, the hope of the gospel is that once for all again, you have become a child of God because once for all, all your sin has been wiped out. You've been reconciled back to God and he's living in you. His presence is with you and you can be an absolute assured of eternity. And so this union with God, this experience of him is such a beautiful thing. And yet let's just be honest, we still really struggle to hold to it, to stay in that place with him. And so chapter 12 of Hebrews, again, is our workout plan. It's like, okay, guys, if we're going to hold on to him, God is always working in us. So how do we work this out? First week was, well, if you're going to hold fast to God in this intimate union with him, you got to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles. That was the first message. Last week was you got to fix your eyes on Jesus if you're going to run this race. And now today, yeah, as Mike said, we're... We're going to understand this. We will be tempted and quit the race of running with God and union with God when there's hardship and when there's suffering. For some reason, man, when life gets tough, we can have a tendency to drift and fade and doubt God. But here's where we're going. You have a father in heaven. That's where we're going. He, he loves you and he is for you as we just sang. But he's a dad. He's, our God is a dad, Jesus said. And because he's a dad, he disciplines us. And he trains us for our good. And so we're going to hold on. Here's, here's my We're going to hold on to the pain for the game. Now, let me read the passage. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Here we go. The writer says, you have completely forgotten <laughs> This word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. He says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone that he accepts as his sons. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not actually true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So here's my phrase, you guys, that we're going to go through today. And I, I want to remind you of this through this passage. Here's what we learned. You have to hold on to the pain for the game. Now, usually we hear no pain, no gain. You know, and, we, and we all understand that. We know no pain, no gain. We understand it in sports. Like you have got to buffet your body. You have to get it in shape. You have to work super hard. We understand it in education. We understand that you have to work hard and study and you have to learn. We understand it in weight loss. Like I am amazed at some of the posts I see of people who've lost over 100 pounds. But that wasn't easy. They actually held on to the pain for the game. We all understand this. And so I say this all the time at K2 because it's helpful for me, especially in dealing with God when I'm experiencing hardship and suffering in my life. Tom Landry said this, the great Dallas Cowboys coach. He said, a good coach makes you do what you don't want to do so that you'll become who you want to be. Man, every time I hear that, I go, you know, that's God. And as a dad, I realize that's a good dad too. Now, before we go on, the word discipline here, translated into English discipline, it's, it's, a, it's a broader term. And so sometimes I struggle a little bit with the term because here's what it actually means. It's the whole training and education of a child. And that includes instruction, commands, admonitions, reproof, and punishment. So when they use this word, people would understand it wasn't just, hey, you're bad, I'm disciplining you. That's not what this meant. It, it could mean reproof as part of the education, the whole education of a child, but it meant everything. That's why at the end of this passage, it says we reap all of this for those who've been trained under it. So I actually like the word training in this. Because here's what I realized with my kids, my whole instruction for my kids, right? I teach them things, but I do at times punish my children. I try to create disciplines within my kids and I train them up. It's what a dad does. And since God is our dad, it's what he does. So let's look at this. Why? Why does God train us? Scriptures, I'm just going to pull right out of this passage. It's an amazing passage. And by the way, can I just say, this passage actually has been one of the most important passages that has allowed me to hold on, to hold fast in my faith. There have been numerous times through the years with God where it's been so hard and so difficult and I don't understand him and his ways are not my ways and I doubt him And I'll never forget, man, back in the late 90s in California, this was one of the key passages in all of Scripture that helped me to hold fast to union with God. All right? Why? Because, number one, because he loves us. He loves us. And that's why he trains us. Hebrews 12, 6, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. God is love, you guys. And here's what you have to, you have to remind yourself. You have to tell yourself this because you might not feel it. He cannot do anything but love you. He can't. 
Andrew Murray, uh, a gentleman in the, in the uh, late 1800s, he said this, one of my favorite uh, fathers of the faith. He says, every trial, small or great, I will look upon at once as a messenger of God's love. Yeah, that's not me. Can I just be honest with you? I am not Andrew Murray. When trials, small or great, come, I struggle. Um, I just think, man, if God loves me, why doesn't he just make this all good? Well, because he's a dad and he loves us. The second thing, why? Why does God train us? Because we're his children. We're his children. So fathers train, discipline their children. Hebrews 12, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Well, I can tell you this. The child who's not disciplined by their father are the children who are not loved by their father. It's the father who could care less, who's so into himself that he doesn't actually discipline their kids. And again, this is the story. Like when David all of a sudden did not have it within him to discipline his sons, it creates chaos. And that's why from the very beginning as a dad, I mean, when they're newborns, you're just, there's no discipline. You're just loving and protecting and feeding. But as soon as that little child begins to engage the world from the very beginning, you help them form patterns in their life that will benefit them for the rest of their life. You train them. You discipline them because they're your children. The scripture goes on in verse 8. and says, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate and not true sons and daughters at all. Okay, stop right there. Come on. Wow, we need the Bible, man. We need scriptures. This is such a helpful passage. Stop and think about this. What it just said right there is if you are God's child, you will be disciplined and trained. You will. If you aren't, you're not even a child. So we just have to stop. We have this weird mentality. I do that, man, life should just be good. No, God's good but he knows that everything in us is not good. See, his love is actually holy for his children. And because he loves you, he will at times cause hardship and suffering, pain, because he's committed to you. So, man, one of the first things I need to remember from this passage, and when I'm struggling to hold on to God when things are hard, is um, I need to stop and remember, like Andrew Murray knows, God's in this. God's in this, and he's for me. And that's the third one. Why does God train us? Because for our good. He loves us, we're his children, and for our good. Hebrews 12, 10, they, dis- they, meaning human fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. Can I, I'm just gonna share with you guys what I say almost every morning. Remember last week, fixing your eyes on Jesus like the other thing I do, and I'm going to put this at the end of the message, but fix my eyes on my father in heaven. And here's what I have to remind myself of every day. Had to do it again this morning. And for you, God cannot do anything but love you. God cannot do anything that isn't good for you. He can't. He's good. God can't do anything that isn't right. 
He is holy, holy, holy. His love is holy, his goodness and his righteousness. You guys, God disciplines us for our good. But when life gets hard, we are tempted, isn't this interesting, to let go of union with God. And we'll go to other things to comfort us, other people, success, stuff, money, whatever it is. We're actually tempted to doubt these truths about God. And it leads us to not trust him. And that's why I've got to tell you again, hold on to the pain for the gain. Your father loves you. You're his child. And he's working in all things for your good. Okay? That's why God does this. Now, what's the good? What's the good? Let's talk about, let's hold on to the gain. All right? Hold on to the pain for the gain. So let's look at this. What do we, what's the gain? Why do we want to hold on to it? Well, here's the first thing the scripture says. If you hold on when God is training you and disciplining you, number one, you will really live. You will really live. Hebrews 12, 9 says, how much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? So I think about this in these different um, examples of our earthly life. This is the joy of the gymnast who hits the landing after twists and turns and bounces and bam, the joy. Oh, come on, man. We've all watched. Haven't you seen the documentaries or the, just the short snippets of the pain, of the training, of the suffering a gymnast goes through? And they hold on to it, what? For the gain. They did it. This is the joy of the musician who can freely play and play beautifully, even though it took years of tenuous practice and hours. They held on to the pain for the gain. This is the joy of a relationship that held on through the pain. They stayed in it with each other because both people were messed up. Both people were broken, but they gave grace to one another. And they realized that, oh my gosh, this person's struggles and this person's brokenness actually is bringing out mine. And somehow God makes us a better person and people who hold on to the pain in a relationship, they gain a depth of intimacy and love that's so worth it. Man, we really live. You guys, Jesus said eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God. It's union with God. His life is imparted to our life. You really live. That's what God wants for you. And that leads to the second one. You share in his holiness. God says, I want to discipline you. So you'll share. Look at verse 10. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Well, it, man, okay, so God is holy, holy, holy. He's, he's perfect, like I was saying before, in all of his love and his goodness and his righteousness. But the whole point of the gospel, again, you guys, was that we would be reconciled back to God so that his spirit would be infused into our spirit, be made one with Christ so that we can share in his life. 
That's why I say here all the time, the fruit of that spirit of love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and God. And then I, some of the other things, though, the guidance that comes, the freedom that comes, the power that comes to do nothing that harms another person or that harms your own soul or that divides and destroys. All the stuff that's just rising up within us because of what happened with George Floyd. None of that. But instead, God's holiness is this wisdom from heaven and it unites and it builds up. And so God says, listen, I want you to share in my holiness and everything that's good and right. I want you to bring that into your own life and therefore into your world and your relationships. Bring my kingdom into this world. And our fathers committed to that. And then I just think what's crazy is, And I feel like the writer of Hebrews is going, and you want to let go of all that? Like, why? Isn't it crazy? Why do you want to let go of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and strength and wisdom and freedom? Man, it's crazy how human we are. So we got to hold on to the pain for the gain. And then his third one, he says in this passage, is to reap a harvest of righteousness. Verse 11 says that later on, if you're once you're trained, later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. And righteousness, you guys, my favorite definition of that is it's righteousness is simply when things are as they ought to be. And right now in our world, and maybe in your life, things aren't as they ought to be. And then it's broken, it's ugly, it's painful, suffering, destruction, And I love this, man. It says God actually wants to produce a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of things being as they ought to be. Like one seed, again, planted and dying, suffering, hardship, actually produces a hundred times as much. So we got to remember, how do we hold on to this union with God? We got to remember, it's like, okay, A season of hardship and discipline can produce a lifetime of goodness and righteousness. So I'm holding on to the pain because my dad loves me and he's for me, for my good, so I can gain. The fourth one he says is a reap, you will reap a harvest of peace, a harvest of peace. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of peace for those who have been trained by it. And you guys, the peace is, uh, is so multifaceted, but it, a, a peace with God. We stay in union with God, and there's peace there. There's not shame. There's not guilt when we stay in union with God, and God's like everything he's doing is to keep us tight with him. And then when we're at peace with God, you guys, we have inner peace. God is so interested in you having shalom, peace in your heart, not full of fear and anxiety, and that happens when you're in union with him. And then once you've got peace with God and you have inner peace, you know what happens? Then you're a peacemaker. Then you bring peace into the world. And as the James passage said, isn't this interesting? In James, another writer, he says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's just good. So why does God train us? Why do we go through hard times? Because He loves you 
because you're his child and every child who's loved by their father is disciplined and it's always for your good. And so why do we hold on for the game, the game of, of actually living, <laughs> sharing in his holiness, harvest of righteousness and peace? So let's close with this. How do you hold on through the pain? What do we do? Let's get to some application here today. There's the vision for the life that God wants for us. Really living. But how do we hold on? There's three applications that are in this passage. The first one is this. You have to remember that it's your father's training. You've got to remember. In verse five, it says this. Have you completely forgotten <laughs> this word of encouragement? You guys, let me just stop there for a second. Encouragement, that's encouragement always strengthens you to keep going. It emboldens you. It gives you courage. And he goes, man, have you forgotten? Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Have you completely forgotten? And I, can I just be honest with you, man, for me, I feel like I, I, if I'm gonna be honest, I would say no and yes. Yes. For some reason, that's why this is in the scripture, why it's so important. When you're trying to hold on, when I'm trying to hold on to union with God and suffering and hardship, whether that comes from things I've done or other people towards me or just the circumstances or life of life, it's crazy that we forget this. We forget everything I already shared with you. You've got a father who loves you. He's doing this for your good. And so this also goes back to last week, you guys. This is why we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because again, there's gonna be so many things that are, are tough and rough. And Jesus said it, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. It's gonna be all around us. And it pulls us away from union with God. Well, I just wanna say, you also gotta fix your eyes on your father. Like I shared with you earlier. And just every day, maybe multiple times a day, you've gotta remind yourself, God can't do anything but love me. God can't do anything but what's good for me. God can't do anything but what's right. All of his ways are perfect towards me. You know, so why do we gather? <laughs> this was the whole last week to fix your eyes, make sure weekly, periodically, daily, hourly. Why? But why do we gather? Why are you, why are we doing this for you today? Sometime this last year, I, I remember I was reading some stuff about why church is important, which again, we're wrestling with this reopening and being able to be together in this auditorium again. But why do we do it? And this person said, to remember. Because all week long, stuff makes us forget. Our own mind, our, our own flesh forgets. The world makes us forget. The enemy is constantly, as we shared, lying to us to get us to forget that God is for us. And so you got to remember and we got to gather together. We can remember who he is and what he's done, which is the hope of the gospel.
So that's the first application, you guys. Remember, weekly, periodically, daily, hourly, remember the word of encouragement. You got a God who's your dad and he's absolutely committed to you being fully alive. Here's the second one. Application right from this passage is you have to endure your father's training. So you got to remember, but then you actually have to endure it. Verse seven says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Now the word, why, why endure is in there is because it also said, right? That it's never pleasant at the time, but it's painful. Can I just share underneath this one of enduring? There were actually two other things that were mentioned in this passage of how you're not supposed to respond. The first one is it said, don't, is don't take it too lightly. Um, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And sometimes when God is actually working as a dad, um, we do, we take it lightly. And I, I think about this with my kids. I think about this with myself. And, and, and whether it's with a, with a coach or a dad or an instructor, like when they're trying to train you and they're trying to discipline you and you're like, you just take it lightly. It's like it's not that big of a deal to you. You know what happens? You lose. Like these, these are the teams that lose. These are the people who can't make it till the end because they didn't take it seriously enough. And then you end up paying unnecessary consequences that God never wanted you to, never wants me to. So don't take it too lightly. The other thing he says not to do is don't take it too heavily. He says, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. And man, how do we not? Rebuke's a pretty strong word. See, that is a different word than the discipline that's a full teaching. Rebuke is, no, I'm coming because you are doing something that's wrong and I'm gonna rebuke you. I'm gonna do everything I can to change you and move you and get you in a different direction. Well, that's, that's hard. And I just gotta be honest with you, don't lose heart. How can we not lose heart? Because here's what we need to understand. It can't be because of who God is and because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. When God's rebuking us, it can't be, I ne- it can never be, I don't love you anymore. Think about this. When you discipline your kids, especially over a serious issue, you're never putting them out of the family. That's not what I'm doing. What did the gospel, again, the hope of the gospel, H-O-P-E, the O is once for all. Jesus died for all of your sins once for all. And he's making you holy. But you are seen in the presence of God as holy, without blemish, and free from accusation, all because of what Jesus did for you. And I I want to tell you, that's the only way I know for me to bear under God's discipline, his rebuke, is to know that this punishment is not a threat of a loss of relationship with him. Just like it's never a threat that I'm gonna lose relationship with my children. The punishment is always in the view of helping them to become everything I know they can be to really live. And so don't take it too heavily. Hold on to the pain for the game. 
So here's a third one. You got to remember. You got to remember this is your father who's training you. You have to endure your father's training. And then the last thing he says is you have to submit to your father's training. Verse nine, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? And uh, can I just say again, submission? Wow, that is not a popular word. That right there, you can just know right now, this is how unholy we are, how unrighteous we are, how unlike God we are. Because we hear the word submit and everything within us just cringes. And yet Jesus lived that every moment of every day. See, this is the beauty and the glory and the power of what a human being can be. And Jesus showed us what it is again to be human, to be fully alive. What is it? He's the one who said, I never do anything on my own. But whatever the father shows me, I do. He lived with his hands totally off it. He he didn't hold on to anything except his father. And his hands were like this, or like this, uh, uh, total surrender, absolute submission. Okay, well, I can just tell you right now, that is not me and that is not you. So how in the world are you and I gonna actually live? Well, we gotta submit to our father. You know how we do it? This is the gospel again. What's the hope? The P in the gospel is his presence. The gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you, the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ. Jesus says the hope of glory, of living a life that's glorious and beautiful, alive, fully alive, sharing in his holiness. The hope of that is Christ is living in you and he is the only one who in his essence is submissive. And so I have Jesus inside of me to help me do this. And so what did Jesus do? He's always said, I trust you. He always trusted his father and he said yes to him. So in training, when God is helping us become who he wants us to be, and he's a good coach, and, and, and we find ourselves in difficult things and hard things and things that at this point right now we can't do. Oh my gosh, I, all of a sudden I'm speaking to myself, like right now in this moment, <laughs> to remember that God is gonna lead you into things you can't do, right? What's that crazy phrase that people like to say? God will never give you more than you can handle? That is the biggest pile of stuff that's not true. He's going to always lead you into stuff that you can't handle because he has greatness in store for you, fullness of life. He's going to lead you into stuff that you can't do so you'll rely on him. That's our father. That's our coach. That's our dad who's in heaven. 
And so Jesus says, always, I trust you. And when we submit to God and we go, okay, I believe that no matter what situation I'm in right now, you're loving me because I'm your child. And somehow in the midst of this, it's for your good. I'm going to hold on to the pain for the gain. I'm not going to let go of you, God. I'm going to stay in union with you. And then what do you do? Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. He's the one who told us, come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Jesus is right now alive. That's He's resurrected, ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God as your high priest to help you, to help me. Thank you, God. And then in discipline, not just in training, but sometimes in the discipline, in the times when we have to be rebuked or chastised or reproved, submission, this is what's amazing. When we finally, because like when my children, if I'm disciplining them and all of a sudden they submit to that, they submit to what I've actually told them to do and they do it, well, then I don't, then I don't need to punish them. I don't need to chastise them. I don't need to rebuke them. They're actually doing what I say. So some of the pain and the hardship that we go through, it's a good coach training you and he's just having you do things that are beyond your ability so that you learn how to rely on him. But on the other side, if you're experiencing hardship or suffering because you're actually doing stuff he doesn't want you to do and because he loves you, he's not just gonna let you continue to do it. So he's punishing you or chastising you. He's disciplining you. Well, as soon as you finally submit to your father and do what he asks you to do, guess what? that discipline can stop. The chastising stops because you're submitted to him. Oh, the peace and the joy and the freedom that comes in union with God. And that's the life Jesus lived. Let me close with this. Let me give you a quote from Andrew Murray. He says, receive every inward and outward trouble, every disappointment, pain, uneasiness, temptation, darkness, desolation with both thy hands. Receive all of that with both thy hands as a true opportunity and a blessed occasion of dying to self and entering into a fuller fellowship with thy self-denying, suffering Savior. Every one of those hard things, receive them with an open hand from a dad who loves you, who wants goodness for you. But that goodness is you being in union, free from selfish ambition and instead filled with Jesus. Oh, you guys, this is hard. It's hard for me. I need this. You need this. Let's remember why God disciplines us. Let's remember, let's hold on to the game that we can share in his holiness and really live and have a harvest of righteousness and peace in our own being and all around us and with God. Let's, let's, it's worth it. So remember, hold on by remembering, by enduring your father's training and by submitting to it. And you and I will experience union with God. 
So we're gonna close with this beautiful song. Nothing else I'm holding on to, nothing but you, God, you, God, you have all of me. So let's take this time, let's worship him, and I'll come back and close.